it's a pleasure to have you listening to my show today. My sincerest desire is for you to get something out of it that will make your life richer, fuller, and safer. My name is Reverend Wynn Henderson. As an ordained Christian minister and a retired medical doctor, I have a dual perspective to bring you content to solve problems in your life. This podcast is the longest-running, single-hosted, spiritually-based radio internet talk show in America. It's been on the air for over 24 years. I bring you information about the disease of addiction, about your purpose in life, and investigative reporting on truth just below the surface. Our guest today is Dr. Donna Marks. Donna has been on the program before, and I would suggest that you go back through archives and listen to her previous programs. You'd be glad that you did. Donna is a licensed psychotherapist and addictions counselor living in Palm Beach, Florida. She has worked with over 6,000 clients. She became interested in working with addiction because she had to overcome her own addiction and couldn't find proper help. Eventually, she learned that rather than trying to get well, she had to learn to love herself. This realization completely turned her life around. And in 1989, as part of her award-winning doctoral degree, she developed a chemical dependency training program at Palm Beach Community College that expanded into a four-year degree program. She is a certified Gestalt therapist, psychoanalyst, hypnotist, and sex therapist. For 30 years, she has also taught a Course in Miracles. Donna is the author of two books, Learn, Grow, Forgive, A Path to Spiritual Success, and Exit the Maze, One Addiction, One Cause, One Solution. Donna, it's great to have you back on the program. Thank you. Again. This, uh, it's always a pleasure. This maze, uh, Exit the Maze, is that a uh, new updated version? It doesn't look like the one I've got. Yes, it's going to be released in December. Uh, it won so many awards that I uh, was able to find an agent and a publisher, so I'm very excited that it will be distributed by Beyond Words Publishing, and uh, Simon Schuster is going to actually do the distribution. Well, so I'm very excited about that, yes. Great. Uh, I mean, my mission is to help as many millions of people as possible, so that that's the way to do it. That's right. But it basically, it's not a revision. It's the same book? No, it's a revision. We've added some content. I got you. Okay. You do uh, blogs. Uh, your blog posts are very good with respect to the various things that you talk about. And I wanted to talk about two of them today. The first one is three reasons why anti-anxiety medication doesn't help. You want to define for us what anxiety is? 
Well, um, it's defined by you know, the medical, um, medically as, you know, a condition you can't really help. You have a chemical imbalance in your body or your brain. And so um, when people, you know, experiencing this feeling of um, anxiety, they go to the doctor and they get told that, and then they get put on medication. But in my definition, there's no such thing as anxiety. It's just fear. And most of our fears are totally um, imaginary and not real. Uh, of course, if there's something real, we need to be afraid so that we can prepare for the disaster. But most fears are not real. They're just they're just caused by thoughts that we have, free-floating free thoughts. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. And so, therefore, you know, our body releases these chemicals uh, our brain, and we feel that stress. And then our heart starts racing and tightening in the chest, the muscles, and then you can't breathe. And this can go into a full-blown panic attack. <clears throat> so how I define anxiety is simple, fear. Okay. Now, um, the pharmacological industry wants to make a lot of money, so they have a lot of, quote, anti-anxiety drugs. But... Um, these don't work for a number of reasons. The drugs that are common are Valium, Xanax, Ativan, Halcyon, Clonopin, Librium, and Transine. And back when I was practicing medicine as a family practitioner, Valium was the number two most distributed drug in America. And I don't know what what uh, the various positions are now, but these are called benzodiazepams, and they're most commonly prescribed to patients when they come in and say, I'm anxious. But I don't... I'm anxious. I can't sleep. I can't breathe. My heart's racing. Something's wrong with me. But some people think that that they are... um, able to cause you to get an addictive behavior to them and build a tolerance to them. What do you think about those uh, thoughts? Well, it's definitely addictive. Um, You know, originally uh, these types of medications were prescribed for temporary use to get you through uh, an anxious part of your life, some type of crisis. But because they're so... um, it's so easy to develop a tolerance, which means you need more and more to get the same relaxing effect. That makes them psychologically addictive, and it's even dangerous to try and go off of them if you've been on them for a long time without a medical doctor teaching you how to uh, wean off or titrate off of them. And there's like you know 30.5 million people taking these drugs. It's a very serious condition. Like we don't have enough substance problems already. Um, and, you know, they're addicted because, like I said before, you know, when you take them for a while, you become more and more dependent, um, your tolerance, which, which again means you need more. So if one did the job to get me relaxed initially, now I need one and a half. Now I need two. Now I need two and a half and so on and so forth. And then people get in the habit of every time they feel the least little amount of stress, where's my pill? Where's my, where's my Valium? Where's my Xanax? And then it's my, 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 my pills. And uh, then they're psychologically addicted, not just physically dependent. Well, you know, I treat over 30 different addictive behaviors. 
and this is one of them. Another one that's common is doctors prescribing narcotics for people with pain. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The same thing happens there. They start off right. for a short period of time. They get hooked on them. They get a tolerance to them. They need more and more, and then you're down that, that road. It's, it's terrible, yes. Addict. And people, you know, they're they're innocently getting addicted and, and winding up a mess, just a mess psychologically. Absolutely. So you said in your uh, blog that you're going to give three reasons why anti-anxiety medicines don't really work. The first one is that they're addictive, and we uh-huh. talked about that. Unless yes. you've got something to add, we'll go on to the next one. Let's go to the next. The next one was... Which is, you know, anti-anxiety medication gives you two problems instead of one. Yeah. So the first, you know, the, the first problem is that you have uh, undiagnosed fear and you're calling it anxiety. So instead of dealing with the fear and being able to master your fears and work through them so that they no longer haunt you or tap on your shoulder or control you, um, you just medicate them. So then you become addicted. So you, those are the two problems. You keep the fear and then you have the uh, dependency for the drug. So you have two problems instead of one. And uh, anti-anxiety medication hijacks your mind. Right. You know, just like any addiction, uh, it's always in the mind. And that's why, you know, the the approach that that you and I use uh, helps people so much because it's not hard to stop an addiction once you realize that you've been duped into being addicted. And then um, you, you decide that, you know, this is not why you're here on the planet to be taking substances to exist. You have a you have a mission, you have a purpose, and you want to get your mind back. You don't want to turn it over to a pill any longer or to someone who tells you that a pill is good for you when it's not. So I'm so happy that as a medical doctor who practiced, you know, most of his life, um, that you that you are helping people to understand that, you know, we do not need to be on drugs to be okay. Now, there are rare exceptions. There are rare exceptions, but it's become the norm if you just look up these statistics of how many people are mood-altering prescribed medication, let alone you know, non-prescribed. It's much more serious with the prescribed medication than it is with illegal drugs, in my opinion, yeah. And uh, because people aren't intending to get addicted, and they wind up that way. Well, with 30 million people taking ben- benzodiazepam-type drugs and God knows how many people are taking narcotics and everything. You can see that the really large amount of dollars going into these pharmaceutical companies. Yes. Yes. The Trillions of dollars in business, yes. Mm-hmm. I think I remember back maybe five, ten years ago, Marianne Williamson said something about fear and love are opposites. Yeah. Is that what she said? Yes, she did. Well, that's the Course in Miracles teaches us that we, um, and she's a teacher of the Course, so um, the Course teaches us that we always have two choices, fear or love. So when we're anxious and when we're fearful, if we address it, and, and that we have to choose to love ourselves to address our fears, you know, it takes courage. 
And it takes us being willing to be conscious of ourselves and our thoughts and not let them just ramp us up and drive us into, you know, nowhereville. So we choose love, which is, you know, I'm going to face this fear. I can address it. I can deal with it. I can find a better way than poisoning myself and my mind with a drug. That's choosing love, to do that instead, to face it. Fear is one of those negative thoughts that represents a significant uh, addiction problem. And uh, so... I think that you said be aware that your negative thoughts, that you're having them, and replace them with positive ones. Right. And give an example. I'm scared and anxious because I fear, and then say what you fear will happen, and then replace it with I'm concerned that this unfortunate event might occur but I will prepare myself to handle it in a loving and productive manner. So that's what you recommend for people to get in the habit of saying to themselves, uh, either silently or out loud, whenever they have a fearful thought, right? Yes, and to remind themselves, you know, that that most fears are imaginary and to to anchor yourself to, to reality, you know, right now I'm safe right now unsafe and if I'm in an unsafe situation I need all my energy to deal with it at the time not living in a state of crisis all the time because it might happen exactly well you said uh, in your blog we don't have control over people places and things but we can have control over ourselves the choice is yours a pill or peace that comes from mastery over fear, uh-huh. and that was a great, great um, blog, and I hope everybody gets a chance to listen to your blogs. How do they find up or subscribe? Thank you, Dr. Henderson. What did you say? I said thank you, Dr. Henderson. Oh, it was a question. How do people get signed up to get your blog? Um, they would just go on my website uh, at drdonnamarks.com, and all the blogs are there. There's some free meditations and any notice of, um, uh, of events or d- uh, dates of the new books coming out. There's two new books actually coming out, The Revision of Exit the Maze and also one called The Healing Moment, which is coming out next year. And um, I would love to hear from them. People sometimes write me notes. I always write back. Uh, this is, you know, this is a WE program, and I, and I want all of us to, to be able to heal together. Great. Okay, let's go into the second blog, and it was uh, entitled "Turning Regret into Reward." You said many people suffer more from regret than any other consequence when it comes to addiction. you want to expand on that thought? Well, a lot of people, you know, once they get there, they reclaim their minds and they're no longer, um, you know, like a, a um, puppet on the strings of addiction. You know, they start saying, oh, my God, did I do that? Did I really do that? Or people will tell them what they did or 
you know, they remember, they start remembering things, and, and then, they, you know, they perhaps had a life, and all of a sudden they're, like, in a pile of rubble, emotional rubble, and sometimes physical rubble, and they've lost everything near and dear to them. And, of course, the addiction wants us to dwell on that, you know, think about all the things that we did wrong. And what I'm suggesting in, in the blog and also what um, recovery, uh, 12-step recovery meetings suggest is, that we don't regret that, that past, but we use it to help other people. Well, and also to remember, you know, we're never going to do it. We, we don't want to ever want to go back to that way of life again. You said you've done nothing that can't be turned into some form of helping others. Yes. And if they can yes. figure out what their experience can do to help other people, that's a, a faster way to heal. Absolutely, and it also gives meaning to, to our mistakes when we use those mistakes to help other people. Um, there's a lot of people that, that go into prison systems who are ex-cons and who are helping prisoners turn their lives around because, as we know, almost all crime and, and, and all um, you know assaults and, and domestic violence and things like that have a, a, an addiction core to it. You know, there's something going on there in the family or the way the person was raised or they have an addiction. So when um, these people who, who um, have gotten into recovery, and I, I know quite a few of them actually, you know, turn their lives around and then they go into the prison systems or into treatment facilities and share these horrid stories of things that they've done. And they've forgiven themselves, and, and even when they've harmed other families, you know, they, they work at, at making amends to those families and, and practicing forgiveness together, because there is freedom through forgiveness. When they do that and they help other people to do it, they, where people in prisons where the addiction has taken them to the bottom of hell, and they help them to turn their lives around. It is such a beautiful thing, and it's really the only way out. Because if you sit around thinking about it all the time, what you did wrong, what you did wrong, then you're going to stay in hell, and you're probably not going to be able to stay sober. But when you use those experiences and give meaning to them to help other people to get well, then it all makes sense. Yes. You said most of our mistakes are made when we give away our power. We know right yes. and wrong, but someone or something causes us to veer away from our conscience. Now, I have my own opinion about who that someone or something is, and I get your opinion. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, you can call it evil, you can call it the devil, the Course of Miracles calls it the ego, um, that part of our mind that's wounded and, and is, you know, reenacting the wound the whole time. But what I'm really referring to here is the addiction, you know, which is in the mind, which is in the ego, which, um, which the negative forces of the universe, let's say, use to keep people in bondage of addiction. Okay. Um, I, think, I think I come out a little bit more forcefully perhaps because of my ministerial background. Yes, yes. I absolutely believe that this addiction problem is a spiritual warfare problem 
between. I definitely agree that it's a spiritual warfare program. Yes, definitely. And so I just do what I can, knowing in my mind that Satan's behind it, and I want to do whatever I can do to pull as many people away from it as possible. Okay, yes. moving on. Um, you wrote about helping others, and I think you've talked about that. You said the best way to get over your past is by helping other people. And yes. I, I think that uh, in my program, it's a step 4A or 4B, help another person every day without trying to get anything back in return. Yes, yes. And... Uh, I had people coming into my office with complaints of uh, uh, anxiety and depression. About uh, 35% of the people coming through the door, and for the 10% that were coming through with a complaint of depression, they were wanting an antidepressant drug. And uh -huh. I told them, I said, you're not depressed because you're low on this drug. Uh, you're depressed because something else is going on in your life, and here's your prescription. Your prescription <laughs> is help another person make oh, her every day for the next 30 days. Don't expect to get paid for it. Don't even expect to get thanks for it. But just help somebody every day and come back and tell me what, what you think. And, you know, the vast majority of those people they came back and said, I'm not depressed anymore. Exactly. So. Yeah, you're not depressed, you're lonely, and you're not, and you're, and you're uh, not being useful. And once you uh, are useful, then you're not lonely anymore, and depression lifts. Yeah, loneliness is a really bad problem, and it's uh -huh. even been compounded by previous lockdowns where people yes. didn't get out of their house. They did yes. their social contacts and everything, and the death rate went up. The right, and, rate. you know, whenever we're running on fear, let that goes back to the, you know, the anxiety uh, situation. You know, whenever we're being dominated and made to feel scared to death to live life, um, as if we're, you know, we're all going to be immortal, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's absolutely incredible. So once we let go of that fear and replace it with love that, you know, I'm safe right now and I'm not going to disconnect from people. I need people and people need me. We all need each other. You know, this is a big playground here and we're not supposed to be so isolated and, and scared all the time. We're supposed to be playing and loving and caring for each other. You said when you focus on helping others, you're not traveling alone. Your life yes. is meaning. And, and, you know, having meaning for your life is the thing that separates the people who have a, a joyous life exactly. from the people who don't. So exactly. if I could give anybody a tip, I would say help other people and see what it does with respect to your mentality your physicality, and your emotionality, because it's going to make a, a big difference, you know? 
Yes, and people will say to me, well, I don't know who to help. I don't know what organization to join, or I don't know this, or I don't know that. I'm like, just look, open your eyes everywhere around you that somebody needs you. Someone needs, even if it's opening a door, uh, maybe a neighbor needs you to run some errands for them or take them to the dock. I mean, every day, all day long, there are people who need help. All you have to do is open your eyes, and you will see. Yeah, most people don't do that because they're afraid of the reaction they will get from the person that they're asking, but I just say, can I help you with that? And I don't care, you know, what they're going to say. But I Exactly. Exactly. I choose love or choose fear. Right. And I think your last point was forgive yourself. The Lord's Prayer yeah. says that you need to forgive other people and, and then forgive yourself. And, yes. And if you'll you'll do that you'll you'll get a lot healthier right well when we ask god for forgiveness we know that we we are granted that blessing and if god is willing to forgive us there's no reason we can't do that ourselves and most importantly you know that part of us that says well this is unforgivable this is unacceptable you should never you should never get a pass you should never be forgiven for this particular thing but I think we, you know, even if you feel that way, it's not serving anyone or anything to believe it, to stay in that consciousness. So even if it's just I'm willing to forgive myself and I pray that God will grant me the mercy to forgive myself, just to stay in that consciousness can really help us because the addiction wants us to keep pounding ourselves into the ground and judging us and making us feel bad. Because then that friend is that friend, which is the enemy friend, is there waiting. You know, there's the alcohol, there's the bottle of pills, there's the needle or whatever the case. You know, it could be gambling or, or spending or wasting or pornography, whatever it is. It's patiently waiting, and and to not forgive ourselves is really setting ourselves up for failure. And it's so important that we let go of that because we can't change it. We can't change it but we can use it. We can use it to stay sober and to help other people and to have our purpose, which is to serve and, and be angels, you know, for, for love and for God. Um, so I think that your book um, and my book, if the people had those two books, and would read them and do what they say could make a tremendous impact on... They'd have a good toolbox, yes. And, uh, you know, I, I talk to people all the time, and if I talk to somebody for up to 30 minutes, I can, generally speaking, find one or more addictive problems they have, even yes. though they might not think that they've got an addiction. And, right. You know, a third of the population is overweight. And yes. And all those people have, or practically all of them, have an addiction to overeating. But they wouldn't think yes. that they're an addict, you know. Right. They would look down their nose and say, well, you know, I don't take drugs or I don't smoke or whatever. But one addiction is as bad as another. They can all be cured the same way. Exactly. They the same success uh, uh, rates and everything like that. So 
Think about it. What is it? What behavior do you have that you have come to understand might be hurting you? And then, exactly. Can I get rid of that behavior? And if you can't, then say, well, I'm addicted to that behavior. Right. And since I am, I'm going to get Donna's book or Dr. Henderson's book and get out of that mindset. Um, Okay, Donna, um, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for having me on. Do you have anything else to wrap up that you want to? No, no, I just just hope that people that are listening, um, you know, we can deny whatever we want to deny. We have all the power and control over ourselves. But if something is hurting you or harming you, then you could ask yourself, do I want to keep doing this because it's affecting my mental health and my physical health or my um, family health? Or do I want to reclaim my life and live in a place of joy and love without all that negativity from an addiction? Uh, Great point. Now for my listeners that haven't listened to me previously, my mission or purpose in life is to spread the message that there is a cure for every addictive behavior. And this is a spiritual cure, and the treatment program is profiled in my book, Freedom from Addiction for the Final Message. If you meet three simple criteria, everyone gets well. I have three free resources where you can start your journey. The first is a link to this podcast. It's freedomfromaddiction.lipson.com. You spell Lipson, L-I-B as in boy, S-Y-N, no spaces or caps. The second is a link to my website where you can find out more about my work with addiction. Go to www.revwinhendersonmd.com. And the final resource I have for you is my Twitter account. Search at HugoTheArtist on Twitter.com. There you will find over 2,000 inspirational and educational daily pearls of wisdom. And that's our show today. I hope that each of you have gotten something out of it that will uh, cause you to have a happier, uh, more joyous life. And thank you again, Donna. Thank you so much. Talk soon.